You're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast for the people of Emmaus Road Church, and this is our Monday episode we call Hear and Obey, when we are discussing the passage of scripture that was preached on Sunday, and today we are in Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, which is the eighth commandment. And as we have said over the last several commandments, all of these come in the Hebrew just in in two words, not murder, not adultery, not stealing. Uh, This one we translate, you shall not steal, or thou shalt not Mm. steal. That makes more (laughs) sense. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds stronger. Sounds a lot stronger. Thou shalt not. The eighth commandment. Um, I'm joined today by Mark Christensen and Matt Grun. I'm Ryan Chase and uh, the eighth commandment, guys. Excited to Mm. hear your thoughts on this message where I think Greg really helpfully, um, as we've seen with all of these commandments, they just the spirit of the law is so much deeper, broader, extensive. Uh, the character of God revealed in the law is glorious mm. and huge. Uh, and so what these laws point to is so much more than just the the very narrow, minimalistic, all right, well, I haven't you know committed grand theft auto or mm-hmm. extortion or embezzled millions of dollars. Therefore, I'm, I'm in the clear. Um, Oh, this, this gets down to our hearts. And I think as Greg pointed out, I'm sure we'll get into just the, even the positive side of, okay, what's, what's the flip side of not stealing? What does God call us to, to do in our uh, stewardship of resources? So thoughts that you had as we ponder and meditate on this text. Yeah. Just like any of these commands, um, they're all assuming something. And so when you get to the eighth commandment here, it's assuming there is a right that we have as, humans made in God's world to mm-hmm. own private property mm-hmm. and for it not to be yours, not to be yours, but it's mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that assumption is, is critical because, and it's also kind of new in the ancient world, right? It's just whoever had the most power mm-hmm. could take, right? Mm-hmm. It, it was just the rule of might. Um, so for God to say something like this, you shall not steal assumes that there are actual demarkers between what's yours and what's mine. And regardless of status, regardless of wealth or power, though that cannot be taken, Mm. um, right or unjustly. Mm -hmm. Um, it also highlights the fact that this is probably a, it must be a byproduct of what it means to be made in God's image. To be the image of God means that you can have ownership of something and and Mm. in a sense, rule it, right? I mean, Adam and Eve were given the garden and they were given it to rule and have dominion over it, but they could only do it as a function because of who God is. So another thing about all these commandments is that they all are revealing God himself and his character. Um, mm. We shall not steal because God is a it, God owns all things. Mm. So at the root of a lot of our sin, right, is, is theft, is, is stealing what belongs to somebody else from it, whether that be their name. And that's the other thing is like, again, it's so easy to read these simplistic ones. Like, okay. Yeah. I've never really, never really stolen mm. anything, but you could steal somebody's good name. You could tarnish their reputation. You could, um, there, there are plenty of ways that this category of stealing can get, um, can get broadened out, mm-hmm. but it is a, it's not just an American ideal right? That we have a right to property or right to our stuff to not be taken. That's not just like, Oh, you Americans, you're over there and just want to keep your land. Well, no, there's category to that in the Bible. We see that. Right. Yeah. So it's it's not, um, can't just be labeled capitalism or something. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think that's very significant because it is, 
popular today even to hear people have kind of a almost like a nostalgic or idealistic view of um, kind of a, a new age. Nobody owns anything. It's all just nature, the mm. world. You, you can't own any of it. There's an appropriate sense that we should have of future generations, you know, that this will be here long after us. Um, but the right to own property is biblical and like you're saying god given so i I do think that that observation and greg pointed this out in the text that the eighth commandment assumes private property rights Mm. and and that is significant because that that really is a a bedrock to um economic prosperity and Mm -hmm. biblical principles of work and Mm -hmm. incentive and motivation to work that you know what you reap you or what you so you will reap. Right. Um, if you don't have any direct benefit from the work that you do, then incentive right. falls off. So there, there are lots of things you could launch into. And really, I think a, a biblical uh, study of economics starts with right. this. Um, and, and like you said, really foundationally starts with God is the owner of everything. Right. And, and out of that flows what kind of world has he made a, a material world where right. we can do work with our hands and, and turn raw materials into other goods and services. And, um, so that's a whole yeah topic. And certainly it's no, it's no less than that, right? The economics of it all, but it's also, uh, surely, you know, deeper than that, as, as Greg said, this is also the same framework and principle at play and you shall not steal in the same framework that is the, is the same framework at play. You shall not commit adultery, mm. right? You shall not take what isn't yours. Same framework in you shall not covet. You shall mm. not, uh, you shall not steal mm. even in murder. Yeah. Murder. Mm. What next? Profaning the Lord's name. When I preach on, I'm preaching on the, uh, the ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your false testimony against your neighbor. In a sense, that's, it's, it's theft. It's mm-hmm. stealing from them by a different means. Mm-hmm. Um, what it belong, what belongs to them, their reputation, their name, whatever you taking without cause. Yeah. Um, so really these principles are vital, right? Yeah. They, they underpin all of creation. And that's why these 10 words, these 10 commandments are so powerful is because mm-hmm. they have such explanatory power to the world we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, it does not take a degree in ethics or a degree in, in law, constitutional law, to know stealing is wrong. Mm. I mean, just this more, I mean, I've been in this week, I've been in playing, playing the judge in, in, in my house with theft flying left and right, where <laughs> my three-year-old steals something from my five-year-old just because yeah. he wants it. And then it's amazing to hear the, the, the litigation that flies out from there. Well, I had it first or I needed it for the fort or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it was within what, why does when Henry steals something from Adeline or Adeline steals something from Henry, just so everyone knows we're, we're even handed in our sin <laughs> in our house. Mm-hmm. When that happens, the other child's and remember, these are children. Even my youngest Benny, you steal something from him. He's going to freak out. Their mm-hmm. response yeah. triggers something, yeah. right? It, it's, it's a, this law is written on our hearts to say, that's not fair, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's mine. That's not fair. Now, of course, even in my home, we recognize, well, it's not actually yours, right? You didn't buy it. You didn't work <laughs> for it. And yet there is some ownership that goes yeah, within it. So it's a good, true. that's a good mm-hmm. paradigm in my head of how to think through the implications of this broader than just mechanical yep. uh, economics. And for development with children, uh, that sense of, ownership and property starts to develop pretty early oh, yeah. and, and it 
tends to come across as kind of an ugly thing when kids are, you know, yelling mine in a, a selfish grabbing way. And yet it's, it's a significant thing when they're starting to have this concept of like, this is mine and that's yours. Right. Um, so it, it is amazing mm. how early that begins to develop for us. Like you said, just right. written on our hearts and, and that sense of justice, fairness. And it's a moment for parents to be like, not just to s- separate and separate and calm everybody down, but a yeah. moment to teach Okay, if that is actually hers, yeah. you cannot take it. Right. And also, Adeline, this is a moment for you to be generous yeah. and a chance for you to be kind yeah. and share. and so, Lots of discipleship oh, opportunities. Man. And I this. think, I, I don't know, this this was a thought experiment when I was in college. One of my, my favorite professors who, uh, yeah, he, he, in my intro to Christian ethics class, he pitched out to us um, and just asked the question, when is a thief no longer a thief. Mm. That's just all he asked. Um, and we were like, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> well, if somebody steals, right, mm. what are they called? They're called a thief. When can they no longer be a thief? Is it when they stop stealing? And that kind of gets to the the question of um, just the expression of the law. Mm. Is it only sin when we don't do the thing, right? Mm. right. Is it when he doesn't steal? Is that when he's no longer a thief? And I think we would all say, no. There's still a disposition in him to thievery, thievery yeah. as Greg kept saying it, to thievery. And yet, maybe just because he hasn't acted on it doesn't mean his heart disposition yeah. isn't toward that thing. Well, then, um, and Greg pointed out, it, well, well, I forget that. that Ephesians 4.28. That's it. Ephesians 4. It's when the thief no longer, doesn't just no longer steal, but actually it lives generously. Mm-hmm. That's... When works hard with his hands right. so that he has something to share with those in need. And that requires a heart change, yeah. right? That requires new desires. It requires a redirection of his disposition towards, instead of the ungodly, the godly. That's a, that, that helps kind of think through how, can, how am I now called to obey this mm-hmm. commandment, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think a command like this, we can often be tempted to uh, heroicize a character like Greg brought up in a sermon, Robin Hood, yeah. yesterday, and oh, but it's it's for a good cause. And we can kind of let the the heart or the motive behind it get in the way of no. When God says you shall not steal, yep, doesn't matter what the motive is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I I think we have all kinds of ways of justifying and excusing, mm. um, telling ourselves, kind of rationalizing why it's okay or actually I deserve this or it's, it's not stealing. It's just borrowing or taking what I have a right to, or, you know, anytime you find yourself rationalizing, you can know, well, you're probably rationalizing because your conscience knows this is wrong. (laughs) And what is rationalizing, but trying to convince yourself that the thing that you know is wrong is actually right. Yes. So the rationalization is a process of using your mind to change what your heart knows is to force your heart to feel a different way through thinking about it hard Mm. enough. Like, well, I actually, I was, I was, um, yeah, there's a, there's a million ways that you could rationalize something. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're doing the right thing, like, uh, it says at the end of Galatians five, when it goes through the fruit of the spirit and it says against such things, there is no law. There's Mm -hmm. no law against love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. When you're doing that, you don't find yourself rationalizing, like trying to convince yourself Mm. this lawful thing that you're doing is actually okay. Cause there's just no, (laughs) you know, inner, inner argument there at all. Yeah. I, I think in, in that opening, that was so helpful how Greg just painted, uh, he called it, you know, a world 
of thieves yeah. and just described all the ways that we do violate this um, and how commonplace it is. It really is uh, amazing. On the one hand, you know, people know it's wrong and yet it, it's just so common yeah. to take what's, what's not ours. And then moving into Matt, like you're saying that Ephesians four twenty eight that it it really goes beyond just not stealing, not taking, but Paul in that whole section of Ephesians four into chapter five begins with um, the call to put off your old self, which is corrupt through deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. And so that framework of putting off, putting on, he goes through a bunch of different things put off corrupting talk mm. and instead um let your speech give grace to those who hear so it's it's not just put off this bad habit or stop doing this sin it's positively when you put off that when you turn in repentance away from that what are you turning to you have to turn mm. to something and yeah. then begin to uh, walk in that newness of life and so that's where ephesians four twenty eight he makes that point about let the thief no longer steal but rather work with his hands so that he has something to share. I, I love that, that point about, you know, when is a thief no longer a thief? Because the thief could just be on his lunch break. Maybe that's why he's not stealing hmm. at the moment. Not because right. anything has changed in his heart. He right. just doesn't happen to be, you know, there's not a good opportunity at the moment, but next time he sees it, he'll spring right into action. And it just shows us how, how heart change works biblically. Yeah. It, it's a matter of turning in repentance from one thing and actually learning by God's grace, a whole new habit living in a completely opposite direction yeah and i think something that's been helpful for me and hopefully helpful for others that i've talked with too is just what is those heart dispositions towards theft what does that say about god right and what does that say about my condition so greg brought out in his sermon yesterday well one it says that i can't actually trust god to Mm -hmm. provide for my needs Mm -hmm. but then two the second thing it says um says that keeping god's commands are impossible Mm. Um, so therefore I'm going to go and figure this out on my own yep. have to take um, matters into my own hands. Yep. Yeah. And so when we're able to realize, you no, know, this is what my sin says about what I believe about God or who God is. I think that puts things into perspective where then we're able actually to turn away from that. We're able to get to the root. We're able to turn and we're able to um, walk in obedience. Yeah. Yeah. I think those lies about God, one, um, you know, taking what doesn't belong to us is implying I don't trust God to provide for me mm-hmm. what I need. Um, it, it's also saying I don't trust God to be enough for me. I think I, I have to have this in order to be happy. I have to have this to be satisfied mm-hmm. and having God alone would not be enough for mm-hmm. me, which is why at the heart of it, it is, it's idolatrous. I, I think when I preached the first commandment, talked about how Martin Luther said the, whatever other commandment you break, you first break the first one. Yes. You shall have no other gods before yep. me. You, you can't break any of the others without first putting something else above God. Mm-hmm. And then you break the other commandments mm-hmm. as well. And and I think that comes out so clearly here. Like James four says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Is it not this you desire and do not have? So you murder, you covet and cannot obtain. So you steal, you take, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you take what you want because you don't have it. So yeah. it, it, at the heart of it is this idolatrous desire for anything other than God. And even that discussion, as you were saying, Ryan, between as we're going back to that, the thief and when is he no longer a thief? What that also reveals is a, a, a way that we try and 
kind of get ourselves out from under the pin by saying, well, I haven't, you know, done X, I haven't done that, my dispositions, whatever. But that framework, which the Bible kind of obliterates of kind of messes with that famous phrase, uh, hate the sin, but love the sinner. Mm. And while that's, while there's some truth in that, it also, I think what that paradigm tends to do is totally separate the mm. sin from the sinner mm. as if it's possible to do one without the other. And what that framework and what Ephesians 420 is making and through that whole list is making clear, like, no, the two are fairly closely notice a thief. What does he do? He steals. Yeah. But he's first a thief before he acts. Yeah. Uh, a person who lies, we call a liar, mm. right? Uh, a person who, and this is what, this is exactly what Jesus did in Matthew, in Matthew five is he, he says, You've heard it said, you know, you're not supposed to do this. Well, I'm saying it's even deeper than that. Yeah. You're you're not just a person who does X. You're a thief yeah. that yeah. steals. So it, you can not be doing the action and still be identified in a lot of ways under right. the family of 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 sin. Yeah. So I think it those paradigms often will help us to keep at arm's length our sin, which actually doesn't serve us mm. because what we needed and what Jesus did there is for him to actually push that law where it belongs, which mm. is right into our heart to expose our, our uh, expose us to say, I need a, I need a savior. Mm. I need a new heart. This heart isn't working. <laughs> it wasn't meant to work. I need a alien righteousness, a new heart. I need new desires and new dispositions mm. that now I am able to obey mm. because now then, then, you know, you hear, um, when I thought it was helpful, Greg's ending points about living generously, mm. I can do that. Like mm. I can actually do that. I'm not bound anymore by this. Uh, I'm just yeah. under the weight of all this. I, yeah. I can actually obey that command. And in fact, I must obey that command and I've been given the means to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To put off greed and to right. put on generosity, to, right. to put off in repentance, covetousness mm-hmm. and to, to put on hard work and um, benevolence that, that, that is God's grace. And, and, I think that magnifies the grace of God when it goes beyond just grace that uh, atones for our sins, which mm. is incredible. That's huge. But grace that Pivotal. transforms mm. us into something that we never would have been right. on our own, but into the likeness of, of Christ. Right. And so that's, that's exactly what Paul's saying there in Ephesians 4. Yeah. No, I, I think that is really helpful, Matt, when, when you think through, um, y- you can't separate the sinner and the sin because the sin does not exist apart from the sinner doing the sin. Right. <laughs> it's not like sin is this nebulous thing, some some black cloud in the world. And here we are, all of us just going about our lives and sometimes we get, you know, caught in up fact, in a black a cloud. Like, yeah. no, we we are making the mess. Like you don't have rampant theft without people taking things that aren't there. So you, you right. can't separate those out. So then our identity, and then, you know, Greg had that quote, I forget who that was from. Was it Riken or whoever? Um, actually there were three thieves on the cross, Mm -hmm. Jesus crucified between two thieves and then Jesus hanging there, bearing the guilt for all of our thievery, everything that That didn't belong to him taken. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that that's incredible because it it acknowledges on the one hand, the reality of our sin and how awful and heinous it is and what it deserves. um, And yet magnifies the grace of God that yeah. God has made a way for thieves to be changed into generous people. And mm-hmm. you know, that it, I think what happens the way that happens for us is as we meditate on 
the extravagance of God's yeah. grace toward us. Yeah. He has been so generous. He is, he has dealt bountifully yes. with us like David yeah. prays in Psalm 119. And, and when you consider that, then that shapes how we are to deal with, with one another, the way God has dealt with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Leaning, leaning into that Psalm five verse four, just a, that sin sinner diet, diet, that thief and the action of the thief, uh, of the theft Psalm 5 verse 4 says, For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall, the boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. Mm. Which is a horrible thought, right? Yeah. Because it doesn't say you hate all the evil people do. Mm-hmm. No, it says he hates those who do evil. Mm-hmm. The evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. Mm. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Mm which just helps, we need to sit in that because that, if we don't understand that bad news, right? If we don't understand the news that I belong with that group, that I am the, the evildoer, not just the, the, the person who does evil and God despises the evil I do, but not me, and separate that, that if we put a gap there, mm. then what it does is actually, like we've said, is it, it actually dilutes what Jesus did, right. which yeah. is the thing that we celebrate above all is, he did take what wasn't his, which was my guilt right. and my shame. And then I get something completely different. I mm-hmm. get this new righteousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a, so if we're putting off burglary and we're putting on generosity, there's, there's a missing step in the middle there that we have to get to first. Mm-hmm. And that's seeing how generous Christ has been yeah. towards us. Mm-hmm. I can't just turn around, you know, after stealing from Matt today mm-hmm. and being generous to Ryan 20 minutes later, mm. no, I have to receive from Christ the generosity that he's shown me, which you were just bringing up, Matt. Mm. He's borne our sin, our grief, our punishment, mm. and therefore we're adopted into his family. We're called his own. We've received, and so we can give then yeah. out of that. Yeah, that's a great point. Even as you say that, it makes me think um, when Jesus says, um, even even pagans love those who are close to them, who are like them. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't take the spirit of God in you to be generous. When you, when you frame right. it that way of like, you know, yeah. stealing from Matt and being generous to me, um, it, you don't have to have the spirit of God in you to be generous to some people, the people that you like. Mm-hmm. You, you could be a thief mm. and and be, you know, t- say you have a million dollars that you've taken from some people and then <laughs> you dole it out to your friends and you buy them gifts. You know, like that. that's not generosity. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I think that also gets at the heart of it. It's a, it's a, the totality of the change that God produces. It's not just a matter of, uh, you know, being generous sometimes to some people, but mm. a whole disposition of how I relate to people, because I think it's, it's easy to, um, you know, so much of stealing, taking comes from strangers because you, you out of sight, out of mind. Don't think about these are real mm-hmm. people or, uh, like Greg was talking about work from home situation, taken from your boss. It's somehow you, you justify it there. Um, whereas, uh, yeah, it, there's a, a, a total change of heart and mind that like you're saying comes from reflecting on being convinced of the generosity of, of Christ yeah. to us. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't linger on that section that Greg talked about, about the generosity of the people of God. And I think, you know, we who've been a part of Emmaus road and, I think we just are amazed regularly at the generosity mm. of of our of the people of our church. Of mm-hmm. um, as as Paul says in the letter to the Corinthians, Second Corinthians eight, 
we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among you. So he, he then goes on to reference how this, these churches in Macedonia have been giving according to their means, and he can testify in an abundance beyond their means, mm-hmm. giving out of their poverty right. to, the, to the brothers. And he just, the way he categorizes that, this is a grace of God that's been given. It's a pouring out of the grace of God. That it's a, as we, the language we often use, an evidence of God's grace mm-hmm. among us. Um, and just how Greg walked through those different seasons of, of, of the giving of our church, of these big gifts that we've been given mm-hmm. that I love how we started. We have never wanted for anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have always been given just what we need right when we need it. Yeah. Um, and then to hear some of the stories of these kind of larger, it's just, this is not to highlight, oh, look at how just how wealthy we are, how much blah, blah, blah. But to show the grace of God that is among mm-hmm. us that, mm-hmm. um, even in these trying financial times, this where the market feels like it's more unsure than ever, and uh, people are re- are feeling a pinch in their pockets as uh, the world gets more expensive and our incomes stay the same, right? Mm. It it even in the midst of all that, we have been blessed beyond measure. It's amazing, yeah. What an evidence of God's grace that He makes uh, thieves like us into generous-hearted people for mm-hmm. His glory and for the the provision that, that that that's one thing that's always stood out to me in um, Deuteronomy. I believe it's chapter 15 where God through Moses is dealing with Israel's economic future and acknowledges um, there will always be poor people among you. And yet in the same chapter, it says, says elsewhere there, there will be no poor among you. Um, so you kind of go, well, how, how could that be? But then what you see throughout the chapter is God's promises. He's going to provide enough so that, nobody's going to go hungry, but he's not going to provide it equally. Like it's not distributed equally to everybody. Right. He, he intentionally gives more to some so that they can have the joy of giving mm-hmm. to those in need. And he intentionally gives less to others so that they can experience the grace and the humility of receiving yeah. and, and experiencing God's provision for them. And when you read Deuteronomy 15, you see that play out and God describing ahead of time, here's how it's going to go. And, and you realize, <laughs> wow, th- this is what drives our sinful hearts yeah. crazy. You know, the, uh, we live in a world just full of envy. People are f- envious of those who have more than them. People who are well, wealthier right. than them, and they our disposition after hearing you after hearing that Deuteronomy, hearing you read that is like, well, that's not fair. How come, not fair. How come yeah. they got more? Well, j- just in two weeks, we're going to look at the tenth commandment. It's as <laughs> almost if God says, "Hey, you're going to feel the temptation yeah. to to a lot of different things, and I've given you a command to not." feel that way so and as with all the other commandments he's given grace to obey that command so he must have he must there must be grace available to obey that 10th commandment as well sorry keep going no he knows what he's doing that's it it just comes down to faith yeah you have to trust god that that he knows what he's doing and and that it is an expression of his grace and his kindness to us that he has structured the world this way that some have more and some have less and all of us are meant to experience god's Mm. god's goodness either as you know giving from the abundance of what we have or receiving as God meets our needs through others. So, um, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. And we can't downplay the, the effect that that generosity has on people. Mm-hmm. Um, when Jamie and I were in Louisville, uh, I mean, we really were a huge deciding factor for us to go to Louisville was like, how on earth mm. are we going to make these, how are we going to pay our bills? How are we going to make, how are we going to actually do it when she's not working and I'm not working? I'm at, I'm at school full time. And we just add, we 
put the numbers on it. We put the budget together, put the spreadsheet down and we just sent it and said, this is feels like a lot. <laughs> feels like there's no way. And for us at the time we were like, if, if it's, if it's not possible, then Hey, we'll just keep chugging along down here in South Carolina. And God has mm. made clear, but not only just from like institutional people, like the church and like our region who gave for us to, to go, but the, the, the money we received, the, the, the support we received, the gifts we received, um, like you and Barbara got us a, a, uh, a membership to the zoo. We use that thing all the time. <laughs> it was the generosity that poured in was just such in a, in a, in a season, a very trying season for us as far as our testing of our mm-hmm. faith as we kind of leapt out into the dark. It, it was just such a means of, again, God's grace to us through actual people. Yeah. Um, That's wonderful. And it, it, it was a, as a Dutchman, it was a learned skill to <laughs> receive that. And that takes grace too. <laughs> and and yeah. there's grace for that. So yes, yes. yeah, don't downplay the effect that it's, you're not just supplying mm. physical needs, which is no small task. It's mm. no small thing. But when you give or when you support or when you whatever, you are actually giving a lot more than you think. Yeah. Uh, and it's bolstering and edifying saints and That's incredible. building them up and building up their faith. That's awesome. Well, thankful again, as always, for God's word and how he instructs us mm. and teaches us his ways so that we might know him and walk in his ways by faith for his That's glory. Right. Amen.